The following episode of Shower for the Soul contains language or subject matter that may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Absolutely. Look, I, don't get me wrong. Social media is not an all bad thing, right? It's, it's how you use it. It's certainly got some massive benefits. It rallies people around good causes. It brings people together, lets you know you're not alone. And in this case, yeah, it's a platform to talk about things that really matter. I mean, quite frankly, I wish this was in my life a long time ago. My, Welcome to Shower for the Soul. I'm your host, Shane Fame Alexander. This is where we swap stories on life struggles, triumphs, and victories. Grab a drink, find a cozy spot in the studio, and let's start sharing. Welcome back to Shower for the Soul. My name's Shane Fame Alexander. Today we're chatting about how sports can help in recovery. Not doing sports as such, but watching and enjoying sports. I chose this topic because as a lifelong fan of wrestling, the squared circle has helped me over the years to keep me positive, motivated, and help me off the ledge a couple of times. I'll explain that in just a second. Later on in the show, we'll be chatting with my good friend Corey Chadwick of the Personal Greatness Project and Mental Gym. Before we get into all of that, however, let's talk about something that has been going on in the world of wrestling and mental health. It's the Mauro Ranallo corey Graves situation. If you're not familiar, let me catch you up. NXT event War Games, WWE announcer Corey Graves tweeted some unflattering things about NXT announcer Mauro Ronaldo's announcing skills. Ronaldo, whose lifelong battle with mental illness has been well documented in the Showtime doc Bipolar Rock and Roller, which you can now watch on our site, shamefame.com, missed Sunday's Survivor Series. He was booked to call a few of the matches. He also deactivated his Twitter account Saturday evening. Last week, Graves apologized and stated that the comments were just to set up some type of heat going into the brand versus brand versus brand event. Ronello still isn't doing well, and as of this taping, Friday, November 29th, Ronello is in still rough shape. In wrestling, to Graves, what he did is called working, or trying to drum up business by taking it upon yourself to create a feud. Now, with social media, this has become a popular way for wrestlers to test the waters to see if their fans are up for a certain battle in the ring. First off, Graves can't wrestle, and 
Ronaldo won't wrestle. Not sure what type of business he was trying to create. But before there's work, there's real life and there's real life health battles and a human being attempting to fight these battles every single day. Graves didn't make the battle easier by working the fans. He made it tougher for, no for Ronaldo to face the world. This isn't the first time it happened either. It's now in WWE's court to say if this work environment is good for Ronaldo's health. earliest memory of watching wrestling was on a Saturday afternoon. The match had Macho Man Randy Savage challenging for the IC strap against Tito Santana inside Boston Gardens. The match would have Macho cheat to win the title and he carried until WrestleMania 3 where he fought Ricky Steamboat in what would become arguably the greatest match of all time. I was there for that. My father and cousin got me into wrestling. I was watching it off and on. But when I saw that match with Macho and Tito, I was hooked. Fast forward 30 years later, I'm still hooked. Granted, I watch it with a different eye. More interested in the psychology of it all. The storytelling. How much of the match is framed. Nerdy stuff, kind of like in movies. Movie nerds tend to watch movies for the cinematography or the script writing or the acting. When I think of how exactly wrestling quote-unquote saved my life... I can't really think of one specific match or moment. Nothing happened that inspired me to get out of my funk. However, it helped me because it was always there. It was my security blanket. While things were falling apart all around me, wrestling was my constant. Every Monday, I could rely on it being there to help me escape. And with the WWE Network, when things got down, I was able to watch my favorite moments over and over again. Before the network, I would go on YouTube and dig myself a YouTube hole and dig up classic matches from the 80s, obscure matches that I never knew existed. I lived in their world and I escaped to that time when things were easier. Sports can be a comfy blanket you associated with your relationships, bonds. For me, father and son times. I have the same fuzzy moments with my father with baseball, like escaping the game early just so we can listen to the last few innings in the car with Tom and Jerry calling it on 1430. But wrestling has always been the fuzziest of all my blankets. Coming up, we'll chat with Corey Chadwick. I wanted to let you know what I'm doing with Patreon and, as my fellow wrestling fan, how you're able to help th me and the show out. $3 of your monthly contribution will go towards a charity of your choosing. If you want to just support the show with a monthly contribution of $1, 2 or $3, you can do that also. It's all up to you. For every tier, we're giving something back to you, always, like an ad-free episode or Skype chat with me and other fun stuff. Learn more at patreon.com backslash shower for the soul.
Joining us today, an old friend we almost met a decade ago. Uh, we connected through our mutual love for wrestling and the click. I moved to London since, and he started his own. It's kind of like a movement, I guess you could say. Uh, the Personal Greatness Project, and just recently, the Mental Gym. Welcome, Corey Chadwick. Thank you, Shane. It's awesome to be here, bud. Nice to nice to talk again. Yeah, man. It's been a while. Yeah. Good. Uh, uh, lots of memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, let's just start off with what you were doing. It's, it's I won't say a cult. I will say a movement. <laughs> It's certainly it's, not a cult. <laughs> definitely not a cult. Yeah. So what's the personal greatness project and the mental gym? Uh, sure. Oh, I think to know what the personal greatness project is, it, it's helpful to understand why the personal greatness project is. Mm -hmm. So actually, you mentioned back in the bar business. Let's let's start there. Um, okay. I was in the restaurant and bar business, uh, had built a really nice business for myself, but it, it still felt like something important was missing and I couldn't put my finger on it. It was tough. I felt like um, like I wasn't really getting a chance to realize my potential. I felt like there wasn't much purpose in it for me, uh, which was confusing because I felt like I was checking a lot of the boxes that you're supposed to check in life, or at least that you're told you're supposed to check in life. Mm -hmm. And I was checking those boxes, but I just, again, felt like something big and important was missing. Um, I, I came to the, the conclusion that I needed to sell my business to go out and find what I was looking for. I talk about part of the personal greatness project a huge part of it is something we call living your 10 which means like living your best life as your best you how do you live your happiest most fulfilled life your highest performing life how do you become the person that you admire quite frankly and that you're proud to be so that you can lead that you can make an impact in in it can be in your friends and family's lives it can be at work it can be something on a larger scale but this is who you're supposed to be how do you show up as that person I think for a lot of us, we kind of have this feeling when something's missing that we're meant for more, yeah. but we don't know what that more is, right? And you don't know how to figure out what more is or how to take steps in that direction. You feel like you've got potential, this untapped potential, but now what are you, what are you supposed to do about that? And that's where I was. It was, a, it was a tough spot. It was frustrating. As business grew and as things got easier with that business, I was losing sleep and I was stressed and I was anxious because... I was trying to figure out what was going on with me, why it just felt like something big and important was off. Um, and bit by bit, I started, I've, if I go back quite a ways before that through some some hard times that I'd been through through life that really helped shape me and helped me see things differently, try to evaluate why we make the decisions that we do and take the actions that we do, what's behind that thinking, and really just trying to rewire my operating system so I mm -hmm. didn't end up... Um, it, with my life in a real down spot, quite frankly, I needed to survive. And so I needed to build like a survival mechanism or a survival system. Uh, bit by bit, the more I continued to work on it and develop it, that survival system became a thriving system. It wasn't a plan. I, it just kind of happened that way the more I worked at it. And that's what led to success in business and success in relationships and really success in so many things that were so important to me in life was just this ability to uh, really have an upgraded operating system so that decisions and things like that kind of flowed. Um, they became intuitive, making the right decision, taking the right action. It wasn't this, this long drawn out thought process. It just became kind of automatic. And over time, I started sharing that with people. This was now after the restaurant business, but I started sharing that with people. How can I help you become who you wanna be? Who is really just deep down who you've always believed you could be anyway. You just never really knew how to get from here to there. 
right? Or, or how to become who you've always wanted to be, kind of get from who you are today to who you want to be. Um, when my first son was born, though, that's when, that's really when the Personal Greatness Project started because I started feeling this huge sense of responsibility to make the world better for him. He's going to grow up in a world. What's that world going to look like? And what's that world going to be like? And it was funny, too, because I expected to feel, you know, this sense of responsibility as a new dad. I've always wanted to be a dad. It was hugely important. Um, I wanted to be the best dad I could be and be the kind of role model I believed that I could be and that my son, now sons, deserve. Um, So I expected all of that. And, you know, you got to raise a baby and turn him into a human being and an adult. But what I couldn't have expected was that sense of responsibility to to make things better for him. And I really started to think about what would do that? What would, what would make the world better? What is it that I could help contribute that take the best parts of me and put it into something that could help that? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that we'll move the needle in the world when we become the people who can, when we tap into that untapped potential, when we become those people who deep down we've always wanted to be anyway, when we start leading, when we start living our tens instead of settling for maybe our sixes or sevens by default, it it occurred to me that nobody gets out of bed in the morning and says like, I can't wait to be mediocre, right? <laughs> yeah. Not a plan. Um, you don't sit down with your high school guidance counselor and say like, let's plan my path to mediocrity. But it just happens by default because we keep thinking the same way as everybody else and doing things the same way as everybody else. If for no other reason, just because that's the way they've always been done. And if we can kind of step off that track a little bit and know that we've got choices to make and every choice represents just who we want to be, we put ourselves in an amazing situation to tap into that potential, to be those leaders, to have that impact, to, you know, if you feel like you're meant for more, it's because you are. If you feel like you've got untapped potential, it's because you do. That's really what the Personal Greatness Project is all about, is bringing that out of people and letting them know that you absolutely have a choice as to who you want to be in this world and how you want to show up. The mental gym is just an extension of that work. So much of the Personal Greatness Project was based on workshops um, and things like that, you know, short courses. But the mental gym is if you think of just like a regular gym where you go to lift weights and run on a treadmill, you don't go to a mental, sorry, you don't go to a physical gym a couple of times or go for like a weekend course and then stop working out. It it doesn't, that's not how you're going to benefit from it. So you make it a part of your life because you know that exercise is important. You know that being physically healthy is an important thing for you. It's who you want to be. And the mental gym is no different. It's how do you become your best you? And we, but instead of having to go to the gym three, four, five times a week, you come to the mental gym for just one hour once a week. It's designed for busy people who know how important it is to work on themselves and to be better. But hey, we're busy, right? So how do we do this in a way that's really simple, that's really practical, that's really accessible, um, from a number of ways, from a time point of view, from a financial point of view. Um, And you get to do it with other like-minded people who are there working on being their best selves too. And that to me is so exciting, bringing people together to work out in the mental gym. And and every week you just see everybody get just a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And that really snowballs and it's exciting. It shows me what's possible as we continue with the mental gym and as we grow it and slowly but surely start bringing them better people into the world. So today we're talking about mental health and sports and how uh, mental health can help. Sorry, sports can help mental health. So let's do it two ways now. Um, Mm. How many people are coming to you 
that are that have some kind of mental health stuff going on, be it anxiety, depression. Yeah, uh, I I think the way we would kind of normally see things as mental health issues, we don't necessarily deal with a lot of that. So what we do isn't therapy, right? We help mm -hmm. good people be great. That mm -hmm. being said, who isn't stressed and anxious in the world right now? Yeah. <laughs> kind of everybody's dealing with that and it's getting a lot worse. It's not getting better because the world is changing so quickly and quite frankly, we're not wired for it. We're kind of wired. We have this operating system for a world that existed a long time ago. So if we want to not just exist in this world, but thrive in this world, we need to upgrade our operating system. So we've got the people who come to us. Yes, it's stress is a common thing. Anxiety is a common thing, but not again, not who you would think of as kind of at risk or people with mental health issues or problems. This is a much more proactive approach. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you when we think of mental health in the way that, that you mentioned it, we think of people either being fine or they're having issues. Like yeah. a very it is or it isn't kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, which is, I think, a, a, a difficult and, and I don't know, it, it's not the right way to look at it. I think we need to look at this on a scale from one to 10. Where are you on that scale from one to 10? If you are at a five in your mental health, just because you might not be standing out as somebody who's struggling, five's not where you want to be, right? There's an entire world of opportunity that happens between five and 10. Mm -hmm. And that opportunity is, is just massive in your life to be happier, to be a higher performer, to have better relationships, to have way more confidence, uh, be a leader. I mean, you name it, all these things come in that on that side of the spectrum. But if our only concern when we do this is society, which really bothers me, we wait for someone to struggle, we wait for someone to, to be showing very clear signs of problems, and then and only then do we think, oh, we should try to help this person yeah. and help them get from a one or a two to a four just so they're, they can get by. I mean, I always think what would happen if from a younger age in school, we just worked on our mental health proactively. Uh, the world, we would just be so much better off. Every single individual would be so much better off. Families, teams, organizations, companies. I mean, you name it, everything's going to be way better off. So this is really a proactive approach to your mental health. The same way as exercise is sometimes it's because you look in the mirror and you say like, ugh, what happened to me? I better get to the gym. And sometimes you say, you know what? I just want to feel better about myself. I want to be better. And and you get to work. So um, yeah, I think that that's more... That's more the kind of people that we that we uh, attract. Okay. And now the second part of the question is, uh, how important is it for these these uh, for people in general to have these kind of crutches when they look at us athletes and say, you know what, I want to be like them? Is that healthy in the bigger s scope of things, where um, that's your goal is to be like someone? quote unquote, great, or your thinking is great. How much of it as uh, has to do with your individual than looking at someone else? I think the most important thing is to become who you're capable of being, which is has very little to do with anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, we always say that don't compare yourself to anybody else. The only person that you need to compare yourself to is who you were yesterday and who you're capable of being tomorrow. That's it. When you can switch that thinking, and I know it's tough, right? I know like we grow, we live in an Instagram world where all we're doing is comparing yeah. each other and seeing the highlight reel on Instagram. We know it's not real life. It's just the curated highlight reel, but that's what it is. And that's what you see. And that's what you compare yourself to. And it's easy to say, 
Um, you know, I don't how I'm not measuring up or I'm not as great as that person. I, I, you know, for anybody listening who wonders if that's real life, it's certainly not. It's, <laughs> it's crap. It's a kind of a fabricated story, but, um, no, I don't think, I don't think we should be trying to be like anybody else. I think if we're comparing ourselves to anybody else, if you're comparing yourself to anybody else, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Um, we don't need you to be your best copy of somebody else. Yeah. The people in your life, the world around us, we don't need you to be your best copy of somebody else. We need you to be you. We need you to be the absolute best you that you're capable of being. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about social media. Now, it's it's kind of okay. Like, there's the good side of social media, which I find. There's we're targeting wrestling. Uh, wrestlers like uh, Big Cass, who did this big video about him. Um, going through a lot of depression, Lexa Bliss with her uh, bulimia. And then there was Mauro Ranella, who we spoke earlier on about the show and this documentary I urge everyone to watch is Bipolar Rock and Roller. Uh, they've been very outspoken. Um, oh, TSN guy, Landsberg. Mm. He's been very outspoken with it. Is this when social media is good where, you know, um, uh, not well celebrities too but athletes also can come out and say hey listen this is what I'm dealing with I hope you can understand this and uh, maybe change someone's not change someone's life but like influence someone to get some help absolutely look I don't get me wrong social media is not an all bad thing right mm -hmm. it's, it's how you use it it's certainly got some massive benefits it rallies people around good causes it brings people together lets you know you're not alone and in this case yeah it's a platform to talk about things that really matter I mean quite frankly I wish this was in my life a long time ago my uh, you, you mentioned bipolar disorder my mother suffered from bipolar disorder my grandmother suffered from bipolar disorder um, you know I lost my mom to suicide because of it because it was a time where we didn't really talk about it. There's huge stigma about mental health, you know, 20 years ago. And she kept it to herself. She tried to protect herself and protect her family because there's something wrong with you if you've got mental health issues, which we know now and we've always known is, is not true at all. Right? It's not true. It's like you got sick. It like these things happen. This is a part of life. I think it's getting worse now than ever before. So to have athletes, to have celebrities, to have anybody with a voice and a platform talk about what's really going on in their lives, as opposed to pretending that they're not having a tough time, that they're not struggling, pretend like, oh, I'm great, I'm happy, everything's all sunshine and roses over here. That's that's hugely irresponsible. And I, I certainly uh, commend and applaud the people who are taking the opportunity to do something positive with that and, and share that. Because anybody who's listening to that, anybody who looks up to one of these athletes or one of these you know celebrities in any in any way, who probably thinks of them as these flawless kind of superheroes to know that they are dealing with real life stuff that everybody's dealing with, especially when it comes to mental health is, is I think hugely important. So, um, we need to start normalizing this. Yeah. It needs to be a normal part of conversation where nobody is afraid to, um, to talk about it. Um, you know, I'm just remembering, I was giving a, a talk just recently at this company, a lot of young employees, kind of like twenties, thirties, and I was in a room with about probably like 80 people and we were just having a conversation about this, about what you talk about and what you don't talk about and how hard <laughs> it is because you feel like you're supposed to keep things to yourself. Mm -hmm. So I was asking this, um, this one guy, I said, you know, what is it? Give me an example of something you don't talk about with everybody else. And he said, my anxiety, and I'm really anxious and I have a really tough time with it. Um, 
I struggle with it. And I said, well, why don't you talk to anybody? Like, why don't you talk to other people here at work with it? He's like, well, I feel like you're supposed to keep that stuff to yourself. You, yeah. know, you don't want people to think that you're weak or that you can't handle your own problems. And quite frankly, I don't know how someone's going to react to it. And maybe I'm the only one who's thinking this way or feeling this way. So I looked at the entire room and I said, all right, everybody, let's just be honest. Anybody here, anybody else here dealing with anxiety, either right now or in your life, anybody else dealing with anxiety, put your hand up. And every hand in the room went up. 80 people, 80 hands went up. And then here's this one gentleman who's looking around the room like, holy crap, <laughs> all of us, really? Yeah. But they all have that same look on their face. Holy crap, it's all of us? Now, is this, as an aside, is this a big problem that 80 out of 80 people are struggling with anxiety? Yeah, that's a huge problem. But I think once we can normalize that a little bit so that you don't feel like there's something wrong with you or that you're the only one when 80 other people in the room are dealing with the exact same thing that you are, you can... I just think it frees you up to to ask for help, to ask for support, to sometimes just talking about something with someone else who gets it is is so important, yeah. right? And so in all of these things, I think we're we're moving in a very positive direction. In many ways, I think we just have so far to go, though. But we're we're moving in the right direction, and that's important. Uh, there's this uh, story about when um when Rand, uh, Kevin Nash found out about Macho dying. He woke up, his phone was, oh, he was just talking about how he had bought a suit. His only suit in his life he bought because mm. it's when Scott Hall was like doing really bad. And mm. he legitimately thought, like the boys thought that something's going to happen to Scott within the next year. So he bought his first suit of his life to go to for Scott Hall's funeral. Mm. He woke up, saw these messages on his phone. His wife came up and said that Macho passed. But he totally thought it was Scott. Sure. And when I heard that, that was when I wasn't doing that well. And I was like, you know what? I think that's how my friends think about me. Oh, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, you know, that's it kind of like, like if someone dies, probably people, my friends are like, okay, yeah, that was, hey, Shane, Shane did something, gotcha. you know? And yeah. it, it, it did wake me up. But also to to put it to the next level where it's, oh, Scott, like, that's how Kevin Nash feels about Scott. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. It, you know, in a way, it, it felt better for me to know that. I mean, it makes me feel like shit, <laughs> but also, you know, but it also makes me feel like, well, at least that conversation's out there. Yeah, that's that's huge. That's huge. I cannot imagine what it's like to be struggling with something so much and to feel like you're all alone and that you can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. You got enough shit to deal with right now when, when you're dealing with anxiety or depression or stress or any sort of physical ailment. I mean, you name it. I, there's so many things that we don't talk about that, that we just think we're the only one dealing with it. You know, you're struggling financially. You can't talk about it. You're, you're having a tough time in your marriage or your relationship. You can't talk about it. You doubt yourself. You can't like, there's just, I could go on for, we only, we don't have three hours here to, to, to make a list, <laughs> but, but the idea that you're struggling with something anyway, and to feel like you're the only one and that you can't talk about it is, is I just feel like it's so unnecessary and we got to get over that hump. We got to start having conversations about things that matter. We got to talk less about things like, you know, money and power and, and women and sports and talk a little bit more about what's really going on in our lives and things that matter. 
Um, and I'm saying that especially to guys. Women are women tend to be better at that sort of thing than than guys yeah. are, right? We we've been brought up to think that, well, using wrestling as a backdrop, right? It's it's nobody's talking about that when you're watching Hogan and the Iron Sheik and and Savage in the '80s, right? It's all about being macho. We grew up with Arnold Schwarzenegger and John McClane and like things like that, such macho guys, guys, and we've got such a history in our lives of our dads teaching us, not intentionally, but just teaching us. You yeah. know, pushing us to be guys, guys who you don't cry. You don't talk about what's actually going on. You figure it out, you man up and you, and you, and you push forward. And I wasn't even raised that way, but you're still surrounded by it societally. Um, and it's screwing us up and it's really screwing us up and it's screwed us up for a long time. We got to get better at just talking about real things with real people. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I would love to have a conversation, a real conversation with one of my friends, but I don't know how to have to start it. And I wonder if they're thinking the same thing. I promise you they are. I promise you. And I'm saying this from years and years of experience. When I bring up something that I'm dealing with that I want to talk about, the reaction is never, oh, crap, man, why'd you bring that up? It's always, oh, me too. Yeah. I think that way too. I'm dealing with that too. It, it's it's this huge sigh of relief of like, thank you for bringing this thing up. Thank you for making me or not making me feel like I'm all alone in this. And again, huge opportunity here, but we got to be willing to take that first step and and open up a conversation, whatever that conversation is, that that causes you to just be real. Let's have real conversations, please. <laughs> Do you think uh, the macho ness of sports has gone away in the past since mental health become more of a of a popular issue not a popular issue but more of a talkable issue i don't think it's gone away i think it's it's going away i don't know that it ever will be away just because sports is driven by so much testosterone and competition and yeah you know the the physical element of being stronger and faster than the other person that but I think if we can get to a point where we recognize fast and strong do not need to come with macho <laughs> and, and that sort of attitude where you can have both, which you absolutely can have both. Um, when we get there, then we'll be in a really good spot. But for now, we, we've still got a lot of ways to go. I, I don't think we're anywhere close to where we could be or should be. But again, we're moving in the right direction, and that's, that's positive. Cool. And if anyone wants to join the uh, the mental gym, um, is, are you guys still in bet, the beta version? Last time I heard, you were still. Yeah, so we're we're kind of wrapping up beta right now. We do we ran a beta launch with a, an amazing group of founding members of the gym. It's just been incredible getting to to work with them and kind of mentally work out with them. Mm -hmm. And now we're looking for more people like us more people who want to be a part of what we're doing, who want to go from good to great, who want to find out who they're capable of being in this world and and do it in a way that that is so simple and practical and accessible and and doing it with like-minded people. So yeah, if if uh, if this is speaking your language, we always say if you think it's for you, it's definitely for you. And if you think it might be for you, it's definitely for you. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're excited to start welcoming new members. And the website is www.personalgreatnessproject.com. And you have the Instagram and the Facebook, right? 
Yep, Instagram is at the Personal Greatness Project. So there's the word the or the in front of Personal Greatness Project, and same on Facebook. Okay, and your videos, which you you're still doing, which are amazing, by the way. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Is that a YouTube, or is that straight um, to Facebook? Yeah, we, we're kind of we do post on on YouTube, but things is you know we're we're really focusing more right now on Instagram. Um, seems to be the kind of the smoothest platform for us to be. Yeah. Posting on. So that's where our attention is going to go right now. Um, but yeah, you can you can find our stuff there cool. or anywhere. That's mo most consistently will be on Instagram. Cool. Thank you so much, my friend, Corey Chadwick. Hey, Shane, this is a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, I just want to let you know about Stitcher. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you will most likely listen to others. Well, Stitcher is the app for you. When I use it, I can listen to my favorite shows ad-free with Stitcher Premium for only $49.99 a month. Try it out. The first month is on me. Sign up at stitcher.com backslash premium and use promo code SHOWERFORSOUL. That's all one word. That's stitcher.com backslash premium and use promo code SHOWERFORSOUL. A huge thank you to my main man, Corey, for joining us today. Don't forget to check him out at thepersonalgreatnessproject.com. Next week is our season finale. Yeah, we made it through our first season. For this special episode, for the last one from 2019, I'll be doing a deep dive on recovery. If you want to share your tales on your recovery or have a question about it, hit me up. I'll shoot you my info in just one second. It was a wonderful show, and thank you again for being part of it. Be good. Thanks for joining me this week. Shows are up every Wednesday afternoon at noon Eastern Standard Time. If you have a friend you would like to save a seat for at the studio, let them know so they can join us then. If you're looking for anything that was mentioned on this episode, swing by the website for links and articles. The website is shanefame.com. On social, my handles for Instagram and Twitter is sftspodcst. That's at sftspodcst. If you have any show ideas or comments, please send me a love note at hostshane at gmail.com that's hostshane at gmail.com we're on spotify itunes iheart and stitcher don't forget to like and subscribe we'll be chatting soon take care alrighty da, da, da. Shower for the Soul is written and produced by Shane Fame Alexander.